0: Hello, this is Meghnath from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Friday, October 16th, and the year 2020 is now 79% complete. The big news of the day comes from the Highest Court of India, where there are important moves being made to improve Delhi's air quality. The Supreme Court has appointed retired Justice Madan B. Lokur to monitor stubble burning in Punjab, Haryana, and Uttar Pradesh amid rising pollution in Delhi and its surrounding areas. The court said, quote, We are only concerned about the citizens of Delhi and CR being able to breathe in fresh, clean air. Unquote. The court also declined to accept the centre's request to reconsider the appointment of the one man committee of Justice Lukur. The bench headed by Chief Justice S.A. Bobde directed the court-appointed Environment Pollution Control Authority, or EPCA, and chief secretaries of Haryana, Punjab, and Uttar Pradesh to assist the Lokur panel during physical surveillance of fields where stubble is being burnt. The center has objected to the appointment of the committee, saying the concerned states have already been heard. Solicitor General Tushar Mehta told the court, quote, EPCA has been entrusted with the responsibility in this matter. Amicus Cure has already been appointed, unquote. His objections, however, were turned down by the bench. The Punjab government said that they are not the cause of pollution in Delhi. Senior advocate P.S. Narsimha, who appeared for Punjab, said that the state had taken numerous steps to check air pollution. The national capital has seen a spike in air pollution after stubble-burning incidents from these three states that border Delhi. Reports indicate that the share of stubble-burning in Delhi's PM2.5 concentration was 6% on Thursday. Delhi has been witnessing very poor air quality, even as stricter anti-air pollution measures, including a ban on electricity generators, came into force under the Graded Response Action Plan. The next hearing on the case has been scheduled on October 26th. Prime Minister Narendra Modi gave an assurance that the government will decide the right age for marriage of women as soon as the concerned committee gives its report. PM Modi gave this assurance during an event to release a commemorative coin of 75 rupees denomination to mark the 75th anniversary of India's long-standing relations with the Food and Agriculture Organization. Regarding the marriage age, he said, quote, Discussion is underway to decide the right age for marriage of our daughters. From across the country, daughters have written to me asking why the concerned committee has not given its decision yet. I assure you that as soon as the report comes, the government will act on it. Unquote. He also spoke about the steps taken by his government towards the maintenance of the health and hygiene of women. He said, quote, we are taking appropriate actions for our daughter's well-being. Through Jaljeevan mission, work is going on to provide water to every household. We are providing sanitary pad for 1 rupees each. Earlier in September, Member of Parliament Sushil Kumar Gupta had asked whether it is a fact that the government is reconsidering the legal marriage age for women, which currently stands at 18. Union Minister of Women and Child Development Smriti Irani had said in a written reply to Rajya Sabha quote a task force has been constituted to examine the correlation of age of marriage and motherhood keeping in mind one health medical well-being and nutritional status of mother and neonatal infant child during pregnancy birth and thereafter number 2 key parameters like infant mortality rate maternal mortality rate total fertility rate, sex ratio at birth, child sex ratio, and number three, any other relevant points pertaining to health and nutrition in this context, unquote. Deputy Chief Minister of Bihar, Sushil Modi of the BJP has stated that Nitish Kumar will be the Chief Minister no matter which party in the coalition wins more seats in elections that start later this month he unequivocally dismissed suggestions of a backdoor deal with Chirag Paswan's Lok Jan Shakti Party or LJP. During an interview to NDTV, he said, quote, it is a media creation by some vested media houses. What is BJP's interest if LJP is fighting against JDU? And if because of that, JDU loses seats? So does the LJP have the power to win more than two to three seats in Bihar? Each and every leader has made it clear that LJP is not a part of NDA in Bihar. In each and every public meetings, I'm telling the people, don't waste your votes by voting for LJP candidates. They are vote cutters. This is a design by some strategist, by some brain." Refusing to confirm whether this strategist was Prashant Kishore, Sushil Modi said, quote, I will not name anybody. But I just wish to say that if JDU gets less seats, then how will there be a stable government in Bihar? We are saying this because the number of seats is not important. How much ever seats BJP wins or JDU, Nitish Kumar will be the chief minister." When asked about his party's stand for contesting almost the same number of seats as Nitish Kumar's party, he said, quote, it is very difficult to explain the reason in public. We are fighting on equal number of seats. But it has been decided that ally Jitan Ram Manji's seats will be adjusted in their quota. And another ally, VIP's seats, will be adjusted in the BJP quota. So now the VIP is fighting 11 seats. In that way, the number of seats fought by the JDU is 4 or 5 more than the BJP. Of the 121 seats BJP has, we are fighting only 110 on our symbol. Unquote. Bihar will vote on October 28th, November 3rd and 7th for a new government and the results will be announced on November 10th. Speaking of Bihar, my colleague and amazing journalist Basant Kumar is currently in the state to get you ground reports. If you want a real picture of what Nitish Kumar government has done for the state, what people are saying and what the elections look like, visit newslaundry.com. His reports are available in Hindi and English both and his video reports are also on our YouTube channel. This is a part of our Bihar election NL Sena project. So if you want to support Basan's hard work, do consider going to newslaundry.com slash subscription. Again, newslaundry.com slash subscription and contributing to this NL Sena project. It would help us a lot because ground reporting is expensive and we do want to do more, especially in a state that is as crucial as Bihar in our overall political landscape. At least 20 people, including soldiers, were killed in two separate attacks in Pakistan on Thursday, including an assault on a convoy of oil workers. The first attack took place in Balochistan, where at least seven assailants armed with rocket launchers and other heavy weapons attacked a convoy of the state-owned Oil and Gas Development Corporation. Seven soldiers of Frontier Corps and seven private security guards escorting the oil workers were killed in the encounter which took place on the coastal highway near Ormara. The staff of the company remained unharmed. No group has claimed responsibility for the attack, but it is believed that the attack may have been carried out by one of the two major groups which are fighting for an independent Balochistan. ISPR, the Pakistan Army's Public Relations Department, said that such cowardly acts by inimical elements to sabotage peace, stability and economic development in Balochistan shall never be allowed to succeed. They said, quote, Moreover, these acts cannot subdue the resolve of our forces which are determined to defend the motherland, even at the cost of our lives, unquote. In another incident on the same day, six soldiers, including an officer, were killed by an improvised explosive device attack on a convoy near Razmak in North Waziristan. The latest incidents came four days after two soldiers were killed and three injured in an attack on a security post in Shawal Valley of North Waziristan. World Bank President David Malpass has said that the world is experiencing one of the deepest recessions since the Great Depression in the 1930s, owing to the novel coronavirus. He told reporters that given the extent of the economic contraction, there was a rising risk of disruptive debt crisis in countries. Malpass told reporters, quote, the recession has been deep, one of the deepest since the Great Depression. And for many developing countries and for people in the poorest countries, it is truly a depression, a catastrophic event. It is continuing to add to the ranks of those in extreme poverty, unquote. He said the World Bank was building as big a growth program for countries as they can in this fiscal year. Earlier this week, the World Bank board approved the extension of the health emergency programs of up to $12 billion for vaccines and therapeutics and distribution of those in countries that do not otherwise have access. Responding to a question, Mr. Malpas said that the world is currently experiencing a K-shaped recovery. He explained that advanced economies have been able to provide support, especially for their financial markets and for people that have jobs that can be done by working from home. But people that are in informal economy have lost their jobs and are depending on social protection programs. He said, quote, for developing countries and especially the poorest developing countries, that downward leg in the K is an increasingly desperate recession or depression that is facing the people in the poorest countries because of loss of jobs, loss of income and also loss of remittances coming from workers working outside the country. What we are trying to do at the World Bank is recognize that problem and provide extra support for social protection to the poorest in countries, also recognizing the agricultural challenges. And then as we look at the next stage, what I think we can be talking about is that it's going to be a prolonged downturn for many of the countries. There won't be as fast a rebound in tourism, for example, as many would like to have unquote. Malpas said that the first priority was saving lives, people's health and safety. That involves procedures that have been widely discussed of social distancing and masks and proper health care if people contract the virus, strengthening of hospital systems and so on. He added that there will need to be flexibility in economies so that people can move to new jobs and positions and the country can be prepared for a post-COVID-19 global economy. Acknowledging that it is going to be different from a pre-COVID-19 economy, he noted that one does not know exactly how and that will only evolve over time. And now for some stuff from the rented server space of newslaundry.com. Last week, you must have seen a battle breakout between TV news channels over the manipulation of TRPs. Mumbai police commissioner gave an explosive and exclusive press conference saying that Republic TV and two other channels were indulging in ratings manipulation to get more ads. But the big question here is, how does this affect you? Also, what can you do about it? I have done an explainer on this, which you can find on the News Laundry YouTube channel, Instagram and Facebook. I do have some answers for you. And one of them is, you guessed it, pay to keep news free. Support independent media so that this broken TRP system just doesn't matter anymore. Meanwhile, here's a small excerpt from last week's NL Hafta episode.
1: Bihar society as of now in terms of caste configuration is more of uh, a reflection of spheres of influence. And Nitish's social engineering has been to apply the Bihar formula of late 70s of reservations and estate benefits across the board, in a way like a post-Mandal uh, Lalu stuck to the Mandal formula of uh, that 27% reservation, in which the major beneficiary would be the most influential of the what is called uh, forward up uh, backwards, that is the most uh, resourceful of backwards. Now, in giving um, jobs, in giving other state benefits, he has prioritized Mahat Dalits. And within Muslims also. Within Muslims also, he identified Asraqs.
0: You can find a new episode of NL Hafta every Saturday on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcast, or any of your favorite podcasting apps. Do tune in. By the way, this podcast will not remain free for much longer. If you want to keep listening to it, Please do subscribe to newslaundry.com and come behind the paywall to get exclusive content. We have more podcasts and interviews for you to check out. So come along and hop on to the Independent Media Bandwagon. That's all the news I have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry.